Hey Colin, I have an idea. What is it? Let's make a podcast. Alright, we're gonna make a podcast. We need a fun name. Something catchy. Something awesome. What about Touch and Go? You know, you touch the wall and you go. Like a short rest set. Touch and Go. You know, Thomas, I love that idea. I was thinking something kind of like Next on Deck. You know, I think that sounds kind of fun. Yeah, like, ladies and gentlemen, next on deck. Yes! And like a start sound to go along with it. Like, take your marks. Go! Now, what about a slogan? You know, I think a slogan would be so awesome. But, Thomas, for now, let's let's put put on on our cap and goggles and and dive right in. Welcome, everyone, to the... Is this the 12th episode? It's 12th episode. 12th episode of Next on Deck. I'm your co-host, Thomas McDonald. And I'm your other co-host, Colin Campbell. Uh, We'd like to thank you guys again for listening to all of our past episodes and keeping up. We appreciate the support so much. It's been been super fun, and we were actually just talking to Justin how, how, like, uh, fun and, like, uh, what the experience has really been like. Mm -hmm. Um... The Next on Deck podcast is brought to you by Swim Nerd Canada. The best digital pace clocks in all of swimming are now available in Canada. If you're tired of looking at hard-to-read, four-handed analog pace clocks, go talk to your team about the super-visible LED digital clocks that are Bluetooth programmable, portable, and affordable. Visit SwimNerdCanada.com to upgrade your practices. That's SwimNerdCanada.com. Nerd the North. Yeah, they've uh, they've really been helpful for us. Like They've really kind of got our whole new production going up here oh definitely like after uh after you know we had kind of that discussion and we got the sponsorship mm-hmm. deal with them done uh improving all the tech stuff and you know really just i think it boosted our confidence yeah. too and it's it really was, a great product too like we were looking at their is. website and stuff and yeah it looks great like, well we think about like i think about it at practice all the time you know like uh, depending on where we are, like uh, our one pool, our long course pool in the deep end, if you touch the wall and you turn around, uh, all the sets of flags are in the way of the clock and you can't see. Yeah. And it's horrible. Yeah. Or even those, like, just the hand-paced clocks, like, they're just so old. Yeah, right? and, you, and you can't really, like, especially if you're doing pace or something like that, I think the only time I use those, like, analog clocks now are if we're doing, like, a... Like, we did the 300 pulls a while back yeah. to do uh, for, like, Swim Canada. And, you know, I used it for, like, a rough pace, you yeah. know, just to kind of cheat. But uh, So, yeah, they're uh, really great. Like, any coaches listening, even swimmers, just go check them out. Recommend, and it, recommend it to your coaches uh, yeah. for swimmers listening. Uh, They'll really help you out. You can, like, program them to... Um, like go on different pace times. Like it's, it's yeah, incredible. like we uh, for for an example, we had a set. You know, it's like uh, the first like twelve fifties. Your first fifties on a minute, second fifties on fifty five, third fifties mm-hmm. on fifty. It can do that. Yeah. So check them out. Uh, they can be helpful. Uh, any practice. Yeah, for sure. Um, let's get into our guest today a yeah. little bit. We're excited for this. One. We are. Um, so today on the podcast we have Justin Highland. He's been a strength and conditioning coach for four years, and he's currently the strength and conditioning coach for the Granite Gators, so that's in Toronto for um, any of you guys who don't know. Um, He was also a strength and conditioning coach for the Granite Artistic Swimming um, from 2013 to 2019, where they won multiple national championships, which is very, very, very impressive. Another another thing to add is, uh, I remember it was after our first episode, he was one of the guys who reached out to us, and he was like the first guy to yeah. answer back to the podcast. Supporter since and day one. Yeah, he's a he's a day one supporter, and uh, yeah, we're finally uh, glad that we got to sit down with him and mm-hmm. uh, get an episode with him. I know right away we discussed, you know, hey, like this guy answered us, yeah. first supporter. Let's yeah. let's have him on eventually. So yeah, we're we're excited to get kind of some perspective on the uh, activity part of swimming, I guess, and the dry land and everything that goes in behind it so ladies and gentlemen without further ado next on deck justin highland hey, justin thanks for sitting down good to hey, see you guys, uh thanks for having me on this is uh i'm excited to do this and uh looks like you know it's been uh 
yeah, I've been looking forward to sitting down and, and unpacking some of the stuff with you guys. So thanks yeah, for having we, me. We've kept you, uh, we've kept you anticipated, you know, we, uh, you reached out to us right away <laughs> and, uh, we've kind of just held off for, what is it now? This like 12 week 12, 13, cause like we that, skipped yeah. a week yeah. and, uh, but we're finally doing, we're super excited. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's yeah, great. I think what you, I think what you guys were, are, are doing is, uh, is really good and really positive. We were talking a little bit earlier, just about, uh, you know, how far this can reach to, you know, just some athletes, some other coaches and whatnot, people have way more time to listen to podcasts now. So being able to, you know, reconnect with, you know, the swim community in different ways, whether it's with your dry land or studying or just in some free time, I think it's powerful. So keep up the, uh, keep up the good work. Yeah. And like you said, um, earlier, we, uh, like we can't go and see our friends on deck and, uh, have that kind of same environment with uh, other people from other clubs and I think this is one way that we can really you know we can talk about all this we can you know possibly have them even on as guests we, I know we've had a couple of our friends on as guests before and uh, even just to get the feedback from those guys you know hey mm-hmm. like this is super cool like good job and like it's kind of like being there like saying hi yeah. again in a different way mm-hmm. yeah so thanks we, uh, we appreciate that um, no problem. So, like, to kind of start off here, do you want to just talk a bit more about yourself and your job, like how you got to where you are now and how you got into swimming and everything like that? Yeah, I mean, uh, I think, I think like like all of us, and you guys will surely find out quite quite possibly. You know, your so your route to uh, your calling or what you want to do is take some some interesting twists and turns. Um, when I was uh, when I was in high school probably in like grade nine and 10, I was a competitive hockey player growing up. Um, you know, I didn't, I didn't really see myself in the role I was in. Um, I did deal with, uh, with several, several setbacks to do like, uh, surrounding mental health and some learning disabilities and whatnot. Um, so, I mean, I was, I was on a different trajectory until probably about grade 10, grade 11. Um, and I actually went to see a strength and conditioning coach that, um, was working with some junior hockey teams in the Toronto area. My dad was involved as a as a goalie coach with the Stouffville Spirit, um, and I went up to see this guy. And I was, you know, in a pretty rough patch in my life at that point. And um, what I was able to sort of turn around after uh, starting a strength and conditioning program and what it what it brought into my hockey, but also just my self confidence and and everything else was really powerful to me. And um, I kind of knew over the course of that year um, that I. You know, I really wanted to be able to do that uh, with people, with young athletes. Uh, you know, whoever whoever needed it, I I wanted to be able to sort of provide that, and um, got really interested in the the science around it. I've always loved mechanics and uh, systems and how things work. So it was really interesting when you know an experience like that could turn it around and like, hey, this is the human body is pretty incredible, and the what we can do, and you know, it relates back to sports. Was you know, it just clicked with me. Um, so it was a, it was a pretty quick 180 in terms of my last year of school and what I wanted to do, but, uh, um, just based on the, my trajectory to begin with academically, I, I went in through the college route, um, which I think in the, in the long term, looking back and knowing a lot of people that have done their degrees, uh, definitely has its benefits, um, in terms of the application of, of the science. Um, it's, it does have its drawbacks in terms of the theory and, and some certifications and where it can open doors. But um, I've been really fortunate to know some incredible people and some people have taken some chances on me and I've wound up in a, in a cool spot. So, um, but yeah, my intro to swimming started, sorry to make that so long for you guys, but don't worry about it. Um, okay. We love it. Yeah. My, my intro to swimming, I, I started with started working out of the granite club and for people that don't know what that is, it's a big, uh, family social athletic club in Toronto, Ontario, um, that deals with a huge amount of sports, um, everything from swimming to curling essentially and everything in between there, except for hockey really. But, um, yeah, I was really fortunate to sort of position myself, uh, in there through school, uh, through a professor that, that had an in. And from there, uh, you know, I was just relentless about strength and conditioning and sports science and, and, filling a niche there. We didn't really have anybody that was, that was doing that working with our, our swimmers. And one of the first opportunities that popped up for me, um, in the aquatics area was with the artistic swimming club, um, with, uh, Sheila Croxton, who, um, 
who was working, <clears throat> pardon me, with our, with some of our Olympic, <clears throat> sorry guys, I swear, not a, uh... <laughs> don't worry about it, it's all good, <laughs> it's okay, funny when, uh, happens. funny when water goes the wrong way in your throat, oh yeah, as I'm sure you guys know, oh definitely, <clears throat> pardon me, um, yeah, I got involved with, uh, our synchronous, uh, at the time, synchronized swimming athletes, and uh, from there, I guess, kind of caught the eye of uh, Mike Rutledge, our aquatics director who worked with Gators, which was our our uh, speed swimmers. And from there, you know, a few years after, um, transitioned into working with the Gators full time. And uh, I love it. At this point now, I'm I'm in charge of everything uh, strength and conditioning related for all of our our swimmers there uh, within the within the Gators program. Uh, so it's it's interesting because it's. For us, we're we're um, contractors, so we're not really employees of of the club. Um, but I I found myself in a position where I'm actually working with two or three different staff that are kind of reporting to me, and I'm I'm sort of managing that role. So it's been it's been really cool for from a career perspective, but also um, yeah, I just I I love every every moment of it, and I've really missed our our athletes and our coaching staff over this time. Mm-hmm, for so. sure. Yeah, I find what like what you do right now is just I don't know, I find it gets pretty um like it's pretty underappreciated sometimes because so much dryland and weights and all everything that goes with it um goes in so much behind the scenes scenes in every single sport, right? Like and then people just look over it sometimes, but it is really one of the most important aspects other than being in the pool of course, but it's just it's really important for athletes uh ability for what they do well yeah and like like you said uh kind of at the beginning of uh you explaining what you do how you said you know like like how like fascinating like the human body is and like all the little bits and pieces that go into it and you know i think we hear a lot about how especially from our coach kendra uh especially how important like Mm -hmm. uh stroke mechanics are and stuff like that uh rather than you know just getting the pool and plowing through the water and trying to go as fast as you can and I think that's, you know, super cool, especially from uh, two boys who have heard that uh, throughout their entire swimming career. Right. And to know that, you know, uh, it's not just like a myth. It's like, well, I mean, obviously, we don't think that. Well, yeah. Um, some people might, but, you know, we kind of have the third party here, you yeah. know, saying, yes, it's cool and it's fun and it's worth it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You guys actually, you just touched on something that's really interesting and, um, you know, just... I think it relates back also to like to my profession in our industry of strength and conditioning and sports science that um, you know it's not as it's not as just broad and like you know go work hard go get a, get a good sweat going you know go until you're you know everything's cramping up like that's that's kind of your I hate to I hate to use the term because I don't think it's used very properly in in coaching but like the old school if you will mm-hmm. um, but it's old belief and it was I guess misunderstood you know, taking your, taking your body to like, you know, exhaustion is not something you always do in, in workouts, not always beneficial. It's not always the sign that, Hey, that was a, that was a good training session. Um, you know, you leave that up to your sport and competition to do that. That's where you're supposed to leave it on the line. The rest is really supposed to help prepare you for it. And when we start to look at a sport like swimming in a, in more of a scientific context with physics and biomechanics, like you're saying, stroke mechanics, you know, the idea that, Hey, if you can get as, you know, as big and strong as you can, you're going to be better. That doesn't always work well for swimmers, right? Mm-hmm. You know, if you certainly, if you're getting bigger, you know, that's more, that's more uh, resistance meeting the water. That's not necessarily a good thing for you guys. And being able to push really hard, well, water's water is kind of a moving object. So again, not great, but if we can do things that kind of enhance um, your timing and different strengths to be able to hold positions like streamlines and be able to achieve angles for like, hand entry and arm entry and all that stuff that's where you know the the big payoff is but well yeah like like you've been saying um and i kind of want to ask this like i was thinking it's like uh i think it was uh when was it it was maybe during the second lockdown and we had a meeting and kendra was uh our coach was saying just something about you know like surface tension about how your hand hits the water and like right away i was like it's bringing me back to chemistry, like all back to like science and like math classes. Mm-hmm. How often do you like uh, look at stuff like that? Like, 
uh, like a swimmer diving into the pool and like uh, if a swimmer's like this size or like this mass versus the water and how water moves and physics and versus you know in other sport like hockey where there's air like it's it's two different things all the things. fancy stuff yeah yeah you, i like, mean it's 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 cool you bring up some good points there and like it's you know the surface tension and all those things like the physics of swimming is so is so different and unique to so many other sports because it is in water you don't you know your base of support where we're you know we're terrestrial we're terrestrial beings, right? Mm-hmm. We, we rely on the ground. We like gravity, all those things. As soon as you put a, you know, a body sideways, you do some interesting stuff and then you take away the ground and, and reference points, everything becomes a little different. Yeah, so like buoyancy as well. Yeah, ex- exactly. Like, I mean, if we'll go back to like the, the hockey comparison, you know, pushing off where you're generating your force and your propulsion from is completely different when you're on ground or in a pair of skates than it is to when you're actually horizontal and in a body of water, your, your, you know, your ballast completely changes your control center, you know, well, it's still, it's still sort of your hips and your core. It's just that much more important that your core is really what's holding you in a position to actually be able to push and pull. Mm-hmm. So well, it gets, it gets kind of interesting. Like the, the differences, um, you know, like you were just mentioning, do I, do I watch, do I watch different videos and stuff like that or watch different athletes, um, diving? I mean, they, I, I, luckily I find sport really interesting. Um, and I think you have to, if you're, if you're going to be good in this role, mm-hmm. um, there's a lot of times where we, we finish practice or we'll have a, we'll have a biomechanist come in or it's, you know, it's just a, a speed session that evening with our swimmers. That's what some of my favorite time is as a coach to be able to go down. It's the best research. It's, you know, it's free. It's, it's right there. And um, that's where I've probably learned some of the most in my career is being able to just be on deck and, you know, being able to rub shoulders with different coaches and talk about different things. Cause you know, I didn't, I didn't grow up a swimmer. I've, I've definitely been in the pool. I've definitely done some stuff like triathlon and whatnot. That's necessitated some training. But to really understand the finite mechanics of it is, I find it fascinating, but it's also just, it's essential. Yeah, for sure. I also find it really interesting, um, like with what you do, strength and conditioning, um, that like there's so many things that you can do on land um, and like a kind of dry land role that can be so different for each sport or even each, um, what kind, like, kind of swimming that you do. Like we do like, we use our resistance bands yeah. for our zoom dry lands to simulate swimming, right? Like the other day we did right. 10, 100s on 120, which is with, a set we would do in the pool. Yeah. With but. a band, right? So I just think it's so cool how you can uh, kind of take stuff that you do on land and transition it into the water. And like, again, we're not in the pool, but it's as close as we can get. And it's really helpful. Well, yeah, and you can, you can touch on this as well. Like our coach also says, you know, it's all, it's all like cognitive, right? Like your brain doesn't know if you're in the water or on land. It's if you're doing like your pull, like your, uh, you start with a band here and you pull back to down there with a band. It's not pulling against a band. It's It could be pulling against water for all your brain knows mm-hmm. and stuff like that. That's, that's right. I mean, like it's your coach is absolutely right. And it's, I mean, there are some little differences and like, you know, your brain picks up on, on little bits of stuff that te- the tension's different and, yeah. you know, amplifies as you pull back. But I mean, you, you know, we're talking about kind of adapting and moving through things right now. Like you're absolutely right though. The band, the bands offer you the rhythm and that's something that you can't really get with almost anything else dry land. Um, unless, you know, unless you happen to own like a $4,000 swimmer, but even, even then, like there's some little differences and whatnot, but it's keeping, keeping things engaged, keeping those motor patterns going and still building a little bit of strength too. I know like it's been nice to hear uh, this year, you know, we're sort of devising some, some of our dry land routines and, and whatnot, you know, our coaches have really taken on the, or taken the reins of, you know, these are our swim workouts with bands. And, and for once I'm not one of the most hated people in the world. So that's, that's always nice too. <laughs> yeah. Um, I kind of want to know like your philosophy behind, uh, strength and conditioning and what you do and just like how it can translate to sport really like the philosophy behind your job you want to would you be comfortable sharing that or yeah yeah absolutely um i mean i think the the biggest thing it's and i I, this 
this answer always kind of varies. I mean, I've got my sort of my pillars, like I believe in, you know, hard work, the perseverance, you know, knowledge and integrity. Those are all kinds of things that I think any coach um, always tries to just instill with any athletes they come in contact with and, and sort of have under their wing. Um, but I mean, the, my, my philosophies around strength and conditioning, like as they apply to swimming, um, I think there's, I think there's a lot of power, like trying to think how to say this. I think there's a lot of, um, areas where we try to overcomplicate stuff. And one thing that I've really learned and has become a philosophy is sort of to know where my lane is and be able to operate within that as best as I can. So if I've got a coach that's coming to me saying, you know, we need, this is what I see failing in our, in our athletes or what I see lagging, um, you know, what's our plan and, and what's our timeline to get that improved and being able to sort of operate within that. So if my job is to get you better at, you know, managing lactic acid, then, and, and acidity, we're going to work on that. And it, that might not necessarily look like swimming. It might not look, you know, sports specific, but making sure that we're doing that with the right muscle groups, that we're training the heart and lungs for this, for this, the objective that we, we have and putting it onto a timeline, like that's sort of staying within the lane and, and accomplishing that. So I think the philosophy is trying not to, not to do too much, but, but really assess and then be efficient with, with the work we're doing. What would something like that look like? Um, like you're not really sport, uh, type, if something were to not really look like it's relating to anything, um, or like something that, that could look totally random. Yeah, there's like there's a lot of stuff out there. I mean, it's hard to really sort of pinpoint on 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 one thing, but I like, I mean, we get a lot of. I've had a lot of parents like over the years, and and different athletes and coaches come in, and you know they take sort of one look at what you're doing. And they're like, well, can we do something a little more sports specific? And then it's really breaking down and getting people to understand that well, what we're doing is is sports specific in a way because if you need to get, like, let's just take for instance, like your 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 shoulder or sorry, your like quadricep, like leg muscle, you need to get that stronger for your kick. Well, we're going to do some stuff. We're not necessarily going to go reproduce your kick in the gym. We're going to do some stuff to get that muscle strong. And then we're going to do some drills that are going to sort of help it transfer over to that movement pattern. So it's, it's little different stuff like that. But like, for instance, um, you know, like a, doing something like a leg press or a squat or a lunge, something like that, like, yeah, aside from the start and coming off the blocks and maybe on your turns, there's not really a lot that's going to look similar to squatting with weight at your side or on your back than when you're in the pool. Right. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. But it might be, but it might be accomplishing something that you need to use within your stroke pattern. And that's where it becomes a specific exercise. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think like, sorry, sorry, just to finish up, it really just comes down. It really comes down to context. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think there's a, I think there's a lot of like, uh, like Thomas said earlier, it's like there's so much stuff behind the scenes that like some people don't know about, and I think that can also uh, also influence uh, like if you hear you know my sport is harder than yours or this right. sport is harder than this one. I think that's where something like can that's something that can help clear that up a bit. You know, I think every sport has their own things, and you know some sports require so much more uh, behind the scenes work that you know let's say like for swimming, when you dive in the pool, uh, no one just goes and swims a 400 IM just because they can, you know, there's right. all the training that goes in behind it. There's all the conditioning, there's all the technique, there's all the stuff that you have to build up. And like, especially, you know, even being like strong enough and, uh, have like the cardio strength to finish a long race like that is yeah. something as well. Yeah. And like, even, it even varies within the sport too, right? Like you have swimmers that are in the water five times a week, but lifting six times a week or five times a week or whatever. And then you got distance swimmers who maybe lift once or twice a week and then they're in the pool eight times a week. So it, it can really change within what you do as well. Yeah, absolutely. Now you bring up a good point. It's like, uh, we always got into these funny conversations because I worked with artistic swimming as well as speed swimming at one point. We had like sort of a two-year crossover there. And that was always, you know, that was always a funny conversation where you get the artistic swimmer saying, well, I think our sport's actually harder than like a 200 fly. <laughs> and then you got like, yeah, it just, it, you know, it goes back and forth. But at the end of the day, it's like you're kind of comparing apples to oranges because mm-hmm, mm-hmm. it's like, okay, well, yes, 
you're right. That 200 fly is pretty hard, but try to balance yourself upside down with your hips above water and go into a full split and then rotate over. Yeah, <laughs> I could not. Well, no, so, yeah, like exactly. They're hard for di- they're hard for different reasons. It's mm-hmm. you know, and the same thing like, you know, is is uh, 800 meter running more difficult than archery? Well, yeah. they're hard for different reasons, right? I bet you the 800 meter runner can't, you know, hit a bullseye from you know 50 yards out. Mm-hmm. and vice versa mm-hmm. it's well yeah again, like they, like you were saying about the uh like versus 200 fly versus you know holding yourself up like and i think like it's like body type like my body type i'm like short and like big i wouldn't be able to fl- like i can't even float in the water right and i uh, somehow i'm a swimmer but uh i think there's like there's all the aspects that go on behind it and it's it's weird mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it is. It's, you know, even somebody that deals with, with the weirdness, like I sometimes, some days I come away just going like, that is weird. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Um, so what would you say? I know there could be multiple, but what would you say, um, is the most important aspect of strength and conditioning for swimmers? Yeah, it's interesting. There's like, there's so many, so many facets to it, but, um, I think the most, I mean, one, definitely one of the most, um, highlighted areas right now has to be activation and, and shoulder care and making sure that, you know, you can stay healthy and and in the water. So that injury prevention paradigm, um, I think that's definitely very important right now. Um, especially as, you know, we start to train harder as, as years go on, we don't do things less we get more efficient and we try harder at them because we're constantly trying to knock the bar down. Um, so, I mean, that arm care and shoulder care is a big one. I think, or in my opinion, having talked to a lot of coaches and, and worked with some biomechanists uh, through like CSIO and whatnot, um, I think one of the most undersold or underdeveloped elements in our, in your sport is uh, starts. I think um, I'm going to, I might botch this stat, but I think it was going into the 20 or coming out of the 2012 Olympics. I think Canada was one of the fastest swimming nations, but the slow, one of the slowest starting nations. And we kind of set out to change that by the 2016 Olympics. And it got, it got a lot better. But I think from what I observe on, on deck from practice, uh, sort of like practice plans and whatnot, is we don't spend nearly enough time starting. And if we do, it's at the wrong parts of the practice. So start is really dependent on power. And especially like when you're starting to talk about like 400 meters and less, the, sw- the start of like you're off the blocks to 15 meters becomes one of the biggest predictors of where you finish. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, it can make and break a race, especially if you start getting down to like your, your 50, 50 free and stuff like that. I mean, you have a bad start, it's done. Yeah. It's gone. So um, I think being able to, to sort of work with, with our coaching staff now, and we've done a lot of that lately um, with the Gators and whatnot. Obviously, that's on the, on the back burner. But, um, uh, yeah, being able to start really well and get the technical aspects because, of it, like, the coaches know the technical aspects of it. So being able to – I think the biggest impact we can have as strength coaches is – on that raw power off the blocks, that strength. Honestly, for like, uh, if we're talking about starting, like for me, it always ends up going back to like mobility and like recovery types things because like uh, uh, we were talking about it, like it was like one of the last days uh, we were in the pool actually before the lockdown and you know, it's all like our starts, you know, get your hips up, lean forward. You want to be like balanced, but like unbalanced, like you don't want to be so unbalanced so you're going to fall in. Um, but like, you know, my hamstrings and I'm pretty like immobile, I'm not very (laughs) flexible or anything. Um, and I mean, that's not a very good thing for a swimmer, but, um, you're starting to describe yourself like a little bit of a, like a robot made out of piano wires right now. Yeah. It's, it's pretty much, it's pretty much what it is. Um, and to like bend over and start, it's like the worst thing on my hamstrings. And like, you know, sometimes like, uh, like we do hamstring stretches where we put our legs up on the blocks and then lean forward. And sometimes I'll just like, you know, my leg will be on the, my front leg will be down on the block and I'll just lean over a bit. And it's like, Oh, I'm stretching again. <laughs> and then I have to bend down even further. I'm like, okay. And so it really just ends up going back to 
okay, after practice, I need to stretch, do all this stuff, and, yeah. Yeah. So, what sort of stuff would you do to, like, for someone wanting to work on their starts? Like, what sort of activities would you do outside of the pool for dry land? Um, like, what or would even, that look like? even in your activation and yeah. stuff like that. Yeah, I mean, even, like, I mean, the big things that, the, the start really translates into a jump. So, if we sort of, you backpedal it into, like, when you're younger and you break down, like, movement, um, and... I don't know if you guys have heard the term tossed around by coaches or not, like physical literacies. Mm-hmm. Um, if you ever get into the coaching realm, like this is, these are terms that are just drummed around like crazy right now, long-term athletic development and physical literacies. But really you're looking at, you know, you're looking at jumping and you know, it's one thing that if you're swimming tons and tons and tons of hours out of the week, like you're not, you know, you're not doing a ton of other sports. You are when you're younger, but, now, once you're, you know, you guys are your age, you know, you're not going to play soccer in the summer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Your, your coach would be on the phone really quick. <laughs> yeah. Right. Even when so, we don't play basketball. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, so, I mean, very simply, like just mixing in uh, like some sort of jump training and that can even be put into activation because jump jumping required and starting, as you know, it's like it's not so much a strength thing as it is so much a neural thing. Like you're reacting to a gun, you're, you're trying to execute that as quick as you can. Um, so, I mean, putting that into activation accomplishes, accomplishes a lot of stuff too. It's getting your nervous system ready. It's getting muscles ready to fire. It's, it's creating that connection between brain and muscle, which is essentially what you're, you're trying to carve out as you're getting into your activation patterns on deck. Um, but you need to be able to, you need to be fresh when you do that stuff from a, sport from a physiology standpoint you can't really train speed when you're already tired um so training that jump when your nervous system's fresh or muscles are fresh that's the biggest bang for your buck so i mean we were we were playing with some of that stuff before we we fell into covid where um certainly like leaning or getting closer to meets and we we're coming down to that like sort of three weeks out two weeks out was the practices were starting with with starts and you know having some fun games in there where it's you're, you're putting swimmers up against one another and it's a you know 25 free all you like as hard as you can yeah and just getting you know 10 starts in and maybe it's you know maybe it's an underwater all the way to the other end but like mixing in different things that way can be a lot of fun it's also something like i said before it's it's not practiced a ton right now like some clubs i'm sure do it a lot more than others and you know i'm by no means saying our coaches are doing anything wrong because you know, they're doing a lot of stuff right. We've had some really fast times in the last two years. Um, but just getting, I think, our, our, entire, um, our entire philosophy around, you know, how important starts can be. And, you know, they can really, they can really add, a, a, I think, a fun element to practice, like mm-hmm. from what I've observed. So I think there's a lot more that needs to be done there. But, yeah, for dry land activities, uh, anything in jumping, sorry, anything involving jumping, um, and different uh, techniques to sort of uh, develop leg power. So it can be squatting, um, it can be lunging, it can be different types of hamstring work, um, whether that's mobility or strength. Because like, as you were calling, you're touching on, like for you, it's, it's a lot about trying to even just get down in that position. Yeah. If you're having trouble getting down to those positions and holding them, there's a good chance you're not gonna be very powerful from them. Mm-hmm. So, and then the other thing to consider, like when we start unpacking that is, you know, okay, if we work on mobility and no strength, you know, you might be able to get in that position, but you're still not going to be able to produce power from it because you're now just weak and mobile in those positions. So mm-hmm. it's that combination of being able to train the range of motion as well as the strength that goes with that range. Yeah, that's really cool. And like, like you were saying, starts can be like a really fun part of practice, right? Like I know whenever we do practice and Kenner says like, 20 minutes for start so we all we always get so pumped yeah i mean, right. well, I mean sorry go like, ahead think, yeah. think about it like you know if i you know I, I did an ironman in 2015 and my swim training did had absolutely nothing to do with starts in fact it was you know if you could find a way to swim and not touch a wall for about 4k <laughs> that was kind of the yeah. idea right so i mean you find yourself counting tiles on the pool on the yeah. pool bottom quite a bit and looking at pace clocks and um you know, it's, you, you guys love to race. That's what you do, right? Whether yeah. it's distance or whether it's sprint, you love to race. So when you get a chance to mix that into practice and it becomes a game and there, 
become some fun things around it, some some stakes, you know, bragging rights and stuff like that. I think that's important. It it injects that little bit of competition and and uh, yeah, a little bit of fun. Oh yeah. Well, like yeah. like when we're in the middle of like a hard set and like Russell will be on deck, like Kendra. Let's make a deal. And, like, that's always now a huge part of our practice, making a deal. And then sometimes it's, it like... It always ends up being, like... It's, like, all right, if we can get, like, you know, four girls to go this fast and four guys to go this fast, and then, you know, we set them up and they go, and then everyone's just on the deck, like, cheering, like, trying to get out of practice. and but like, Trying to it's skip that, a 50 or whatever. But it's just that, that you know, like, feeling of, ah, let's go. And especially mm-hmm. if you're one of those people, you're like, oh, I can do that. Yeah. Like, let, let me go. I can do it. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah, you create a little bit of pressure too, because if you're one of those people, you're going, "Oh man, I gotta, yeah, I gotta swim fast. I might be able to get us out of this." Yeah. You were also talking um, a bit about physical literacy and long-term athlete development there, and I just finished my kinesiology course for high school, and we talked a lot about awesome. that at the beginning. Um, and I just found it was really cool to kind of, like, in our textbook, we had like a whole section on it, but it talked about kind of all the stages and at which ages, like. Um, each stage is at and I just found that really interesting like they're the youth years like they just get into sport and they learn all the basic movements and then you throw them into different sports and it really then it just comes down to like what they're good at and yeah I I just found it was really interesting it was something I would really consider doing as a career it's very uh, it's very cool stuff and I mean just the you know sort of pedaling back on the on the sides. I mean, Canada is really fortunate when you get into um, looking at long-term athletic development, like Istvan Ballier, who's, you know, one of the principal researchers behind our long-term athletic de- development. Um, it's, it's, you know, I've heard speakers uh, touch on this at conferences in the U.S. and, and abroad, and everybody circles back to the, the, the compliments Canada gets on our long-term athletic development model is huge. So we've got some of the best resources in the world, I think, on in terms of how we can uh, supply our coaches with the structure and the framework to be able to, you know, best provide the pathways and the necessary means within those pathways um, to really enhance both performance. But I think ultimately as well, like there's the element that doesn't get talked about a lot is, is you know, how do you keep somebody engaged in a sport when they realize that they're not you know, necessarily going to go off to university and compete. You know, if that uh, if that competitive road kind of ends at you know grade eleven or twelve, how do you have you done a good enough job to make sure that person wants to stay involved and active for the rest of their life, right? Mm. And I think that's something that gets really that gets missed a lot of times. We get especially in our in my realm, like we get very pigeonholed on high performance and and making sure the the lids on tight on that pressure cooker and making sure they were trying to funnel somebody right through that high performance zone and not really thinking of the consequence that that pressure and that drive and and all the things that go into that aspect might actually be you know when somebody finishes and they just get out of the pool and go like don't want to be i don't want to see a pool again for a little while mm-hmm. so i think there's a lot of cool things there mm-hmm. that need to that need to get explored but you know, I think swimming is one of the one of the coolest sports for that. There's, you know, I think a lot of the athletes that I've worked with um, on the speed swimming side, synchro is a little bit of a different story because it is, you know, you start at a really young age specializing um, right away, and it is it is high pressure. It's very technical. It's very focused. Um, but a lot of the swimmers we have, I know through through our Gators program and stuff, like they they just love to swim. <laughs> yep. Um, yeah, I was just thinking when you have, you know, swimmers come through your program and, you know, you work on so many different things, you know, each person will have their own, uh, issue or own just kind of set of things that, Hey, like I need help on this or like this needs to be touched on a bit. What's the most common thing that you see that is like a, a growing issue in swimmers, uh, as they kind of develop through the high performance stage? Yeah, I think uh, the biggest one we see now has to do with with these devices right here (laughs) and those aforementioned mobility issues. Um, Holding the streamlines, yeah, exactly. It's that forward head posture, what it does to pull everything in your your thoracic spine and that upper back. 
um, and the implications that has on shoulder mobility. On yeah, I noticed you're sitting up really tall right yep, now. Yeah, kind of fix the posture. Con- suddenly, suddenly very <sighs> conscious of this. Um, but being, you know, this it's it's hard to combat that stuff because it's it has more. If you're like this for you know seven hours a day, and you come in for your strength and conditioning session or even just your on deck activation, that's such a small portion of your time compared to, you know, how long you're sitting there like they're like doom scrolling on Twitter these days or on Instagram or mm-hmm. something like that. That's probably, in my opinion, one of the biggest issues is trying to a just create awareness, create the buy-in of that awareness, which is much easier with, you know, guys, guys and girls your age, because you're making the correlation between like, Hmm, I really want to go fast. So if I have to put my phone down like two hours earlier every day and really be conscious of my posture, well, that's what I got to do to get fast. So that's fine. I can make that connection. But for swimmers that are, you know, a little younger, like in that sort of 12 to 15 age category, that's, a, you know, you quickly start to feel very old, I think, as a coach when you're preaching to kids to try to put their phone down. Yeah. So, And, and I think piece like that, you know, like, young, like there are a lot of kids who are s- super fast at that age. And, yeah. uh, and they, but they don't really notice that, you know, and I think, you know, I think all of us went through it as well. Um, but like, we didn't really notice like why we're dropping time every single time we swim a race. It's just because we're just kind of, that's just how it works when you're younger, right? Yeah. You can keep this summer race and you get a faster time. And now we're at the point where it's like, yeah, uh, doesn't happen every time. And like you yeah. were saying about the, I just want to touch on, um, you know, staring at your phone for like seven hours and then going to workout. I, I think I've noticed significantly like the past uh, the past quadmester for our school, I had a spare. And so going to practice every other week, I hadn't gone to school. And some days I had just sat on the couch. Like I would wake up, go downstairs, have yeah. breakfast, sit on the couch. And maybe I even brought like food over to the couch with me so that for lunch I didn't have to stand up and I could just sit there. <laughs> And uh, so lazy. That's efficient. Yeah. And then, but then I would get up and it'd be like, okay, it's like three o'clock or like I got to go. Thomas needs me to pick him up from school that day. So, and I just stand up and then I feel like so gross and like not even like tired. Like I just finished like a long day of like school, but just like a heavy, like, 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 yeah, exactly. And then versus other days when I've either been to school or I've, you know, got up and even if I've done like hard work, like done a whole bunch of like yard work outside, cutting wood, all that stuff, moving stuff outside, even if I'm doing stuff that's tiring me out a bit more, I still go to practice and it might be like a super good practice for me, but that's just because I've, you know, I'm doing something and you know, I'm keeping my brain moving and not just kind of giving myself time to just like shut down my body. Yeah. That's right. There's a, you guys actually just reminded me of a study and now I'm trying to remember where it was. I read it about a year ago um, and it examined actually specifically in swimming and sprint performance, um, the effects of using a mobile device, um, you know, within certain timeframes prior to a race or a, or a training set and Mm -hmm. what that like what it does to you cognitively, like in your brain and the impacts were were pretty substantial, Uh, like, like much slower times. Yeah, and it's because like that it's was, so uh, much your so much your stroke being able to maintain that speed and your, your starts and everything else, you know, has a lot to do with that neural connection and those cognitive centers of your brain. So if they're fatigued because you've been looking at a screen, that's and I mean think about it like what are, what do most people do before they they go to get into the ready area? Probably sit there like talk with their coach and then they're probably like, rip oh, through Instagram here pretty quick and yeah, check my texts. Well, like, like I was just saying, you know, I would show up to practice and I would be like, feel like brain dead and I'd just be like, yeah. and it would be, and I'd be grumpy and all that stuff. And I was just like, Ugh, why am I here? Yeah. yeah. And racing and competing, it's such a mental thing. Right. And if you're on t- on your phone watching or watching TV for that much time and day, then you're not going to be there mentally ready That's for right. a good workout or a good race. And there's also that thing of, you know, when we were racing, we would always, you know, we would all, we we got told then eventually I think we kind of figured it out, uh, kind of I mean the last chance we could have uh, we did, but uh, you know sitting on your phone while finals is happening right you're missing good swims you're missing fast people swim oh yeah Definitely. and uh, that's also a part you know like learning and seeing okay 
this person is so much faster than me and they're the same age as me what are they doing differently and like what can I adapt uh, to change what I'm doing maybe not change what I'm doing but just you know improve my own swimming by doing these things yeah so get off your phone yeah definitely things. yeah that's a you know it's an interesting point like I was you you're just reminding me like sort of reflecting like the last meet before we we hit COVID was provincials mm-hmm. uh when was that 2019 yeah <laughs> and you know it's it's it was interesting like your your sport has like a couple of unique things I want to touch on right now but what you were just saying about sort of being able to learn from watching other races and I think our coaching staff has done a really great job with the swimmers that with the gators because whenever like we might not have anybody in you know certain heats but you know our our athletes are are sort of right there in the stands watching and sort of taking notes and just appreciating and just appreciating swimming Mm -hmm. and I think that's cool and you can be a student of your sport you know, regardless of whether there's something in it in that race for you or not, there's always something in that race for you because mm-hmm. you might you might just learn something and like, wow, a person went really fast. So check out their arm entry. I've never seen that, mm-hmm. or I've never noticed that. And it, you know, it gets in your head and it starts to become something that you work on or talk to your coach about or something like that. But well, the other cool thing, like with that, I've always found fascinating is you know, swimming is very much an individual sport. Like, you know, you train as a team but you compete as individuals but i think also at at your age there's i think any athlete on any team whether it's a hockey team or or in a swim club you're ultimately all competing for yourself because you're competing for opportunities to move higher right Mm -hmm. but i i think the cool thing for me as a coach having worked with so many sports going into the swim realm is one of the most i think healthy in terms of the competition and the team environments versus even some team sports that I've I've worked with and even been a part of. So found well, that really really fascinating. Everybody's pushing each other. Like you know, you don't get uh, you don't get any you don't get faster swimming with people that are slower than you. So you might as well yeah. try to push the person next to you to go faster because it's just going to help you. Well, yeah, like um, like some people, uh, for example, you know, they might have you know a per- uh, maybe not a personal trainer, but you know they might go do a workout on their own. Like they might have a person who they go see. Um, maybe it's, you know, for physio, but like uh, maybe they go like, and part of their physio is you go to the gym and do, you know, you do a little workout with them and they kind of analyze what you're doing. And in my, and you know, that works for a lot of people and I'm not saying it's bad or anything and you can kind of touch on your opinion on it. But like for me, it's all about like the guys around me and like I know Thomas and I we've been so lucky with the guys we train with because we push each other every single day like there's no there's no off day in practice unless you know it's like kind of a fun practice and we're all kind of we all know yeah like today's supposed to be fun and we all agree we're like hey let's all just chill today and we're just gonna kind of hang out go as hard as we can yeah and sometimes we'll touch the wall and be like or like right before we go uh, on the main set we'll be like so like we're feeling like a little, uh, little like smooth speed, not all out, not right? All out. And then right, we all right. kind of, we all kind of talk. We're like, yeah, let's let's do that. And um, like, I think just the part of being in a team and training together and learning from e- like every person around you and seeing what other people are doing uh, is super important. Just because you can adapt that to your stuff as well. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You know, you bring up a powerful point. Like, you know, relating back to all the long-term athletic development stuff. Like being in that social environment, teams. You know that's that's probably one of the most important things at certain certain ages and certainly in different situations in your development. Like just being around a good atmosphere can do so much more than having you know the necessarily the best coach or the best equipment or or anything else there. Um, whenever we have groups in for dry land, like it's I, I don't with some of my private groups and in my private practice, I always am a big fan of trying to put different athletes into groups uh whether they're from different sports or not i mean obviously you're not mixing sports that have absolutely zero in common and yeah. you're going to be doing somebody a disservice but you know one of my my biggest mentors are in early in my career and continues to be his name is dennis Lindsay. um he actually was he swam for canada at the uh, 88 olympics as uh 50 freestyle but um you know i learned a lot from him with in terms of those groups and just being able to feed athletes so much more in terms of little 
those little like competitive nuggets you go for every time you're you're in the gym or yeah or in the pool or whatever your sport is i think there's a lot of power in and and value in being together because that's that's part of why you show up you come to see your friends and and you come to compete yeah and like with us i guess our kind of competitions and practice and stuff like we can we get pretty competitive but um like once we get out of the pool it's it's all gone like we just leave it all in the pool and we're best friends right after right but like when we're in the pool and having those competitions sometimes like i don't want to say it gets heated but like we just really really no, it push does. each other yeah. no like we get That's like good. sometimes there's arguments and like yeah sometimes like like i know i get super frustrated like and i like don't hide it like if i'm angry like people know it and like I everyone know, everyone knows it. Eh? I know Russell does too. Like people, yeah. like a lot of people know when Russell's angry, and it's not a bad thing, because like you know, that's just our way of you know like, like this is how that's I how, feel, yeah. and you know people may not like it in the pool, and you know it may upset other people, but you know, uh, afterwards you know, it's like nothing happened and we're mm-hmm. chill. And those little like competitions that we have, and when we're always pushing each other and competing. Like, that can be some of the most beneficial things that you can do for your swimming, right? Mm-hmm. Definitely. Well, sport, you know what? That's the sort of the beauty of sport and the lessons that we learn for from sport about the rest of our lives, like conflict resolution, how to manage certain emotions, all of those things. And I think, you know, having, having been doing what I'm doing for 14 years, like, I used to think it was 100% all about, like, what I could pull out of a textbook and what I could create and just the knowledge base. And, you know, sometimes it's at certain periods, it's about just creating a really great environment Mm -hmm. and making sure that athletes are, are taking certain lessons away. And whether like some of those lessons are like what you guys just mentioned is, you know, you can get super heated and it can be like, you know, a neck and neck competition where it's like, you know, it gets real Mm -hmm. with your friends sometimes. But at the end of the day, everybody goes home, you shake hands and, you know, you see everybody tomorrow and it's a yeah. fresh start. You know, you learn how to do that and that becomes so valuable in life. Like when you're going through school or, or, or other things, learning how to cope and, and handle and manage those, those different things is so valuable. And I think for me, that's definitely one of the things within my realm. And when I started in, in sports science and strength and conditioning, to me, that was one of the most powerful things that I got to learn myself, but then also be able to try to help create that environment along with our coaching staff to be able to instill that in the athletes that we work with. Yeah, I I totally agree there. Yeah, I think, I think honestly, there's so many things that go on like in, in sports and there's so many things that people rely on, but I think just, you know, having all these, like, I don't want to say like supports, but just having all these ways to access different um, I want to say ways in like all these like um, resources, all these resources to improve your swimming or like your mental state in so many different ways is important in anything, in any sport, and even just in life in general. Yeah, I mean, look at this. Look at the situation we're in now with with COVID. Right, mm-hmm. we're we're over a year now where some athletes have been like you guys have been able to train a little bit because of the uh, the region you're in. We got athletes in Toronto, like our swimmers haven't been in the pool since I think around November. Yeah, exactly. Somewhere around there. And, you know, the lessons you glean from that, it's like, are you, you know, can you, can you turn the, can you turn the adversity into a positive? What lessons are you going to take out of this? You know, being okay with being mad and being ticked off. Like, you know, your, your last guest in the last episode pointed out, like, I think it's okay to be, be mad and get upset and get angry. Mm -hmm. It absolutely is like negative emotion holds so much positive energy if you can harness it and debrief from it properly i mean think about losing a race right it's like the you know if you if you lose because you know you just you know you lagged off on a turn or something like that you're never going to lag off on a turn again Mm -hmm. because you've internalized like the oh man a guy out touched me by like this much sort of thing you know you you sit with that and you you turn it into something positive so yeah. I think this, in my opinion, this whole COVID situation, I know it's starting to feel redundant and like Groundhog Day and we're in this for forever. And I mean, 
it's like we were saying before, it's like a, a 1500 and the, you know, the bell never goes for the yeah. final lap. It's kind of what it feels like right now, but there's so many important lessons that we'll all take regardless of our age or, or sport or what we're doing that we have this beautiful opportunity to, you know, create resilience and in all kinds of different areas of our life. I had a client of mine who I trying to remember who the quote is. Somebody's going to highlight this right away and say, I can't believe this guy missed this quote or who the, the uh, <laughs> person was that quoted this, but it's, it's never waste a good crisis. <laughs> uh, and this guy I referred to, he was a, he was a, you know, a big CEO and, it was one of the most powerful things that stuck with me about three weeks in when you're starting to realize you're like, holy smokes, like my business is melting. Like we got no work. Like what's going to happen? How are we going to continue to communicate with our swimmers and make sure they're okay and, and do something that's even like meaningful over whether it's Zoom or on their own. And it was just that really resonated. It was never waste a good crisis. And it was making sure that all of our athletes also knew that, hey, there's, you know, this is like, looks like a crap sandwich, but there's a lot of opportunity that sits in here. So we got to decide how we're going to figure out what that is. Yeah. And I think I've said this before, but like eventually when we get out of this, it'll like, we'll really see who kind of committed and who took the opportunity to improve themselves after this. And, um, yeah, like I think it'll just be really interesting. Well, I think, I think the, uh, I think the, uh, like demonstration of what people did with the time. I think it'll be pretty, uh, like not, not to like say like some will be bad, some will be good. Cause I think that for ma- the majority of people, uh, whatever it's like going on for them personally, whatever they're doing on their own, whether it's, you know, home workouts or, you know, going online to do a workout. I think, uh, the different ways that it's going to be shown is going to be like, cool. Like some people might come out and like, you know, you might see this guy who's like a little, like a little shrimp guy, uh, and he'll all of a sudden be like jacked. Um, but then you could also see someone, you know, come out and be like, Hey, and like, like their mental state's totally different. Like maybe they were maybe not like more negative, but maybe they just kind of, they couldn't find like happy things in like a set or something like that. And they might come back and you might be like, Oh, like you find this like fun now. And like, and like, that's a (laughs) good thing. And that's a good yeah. thing. So, mm-hmm. I think yeah, I think I think I'm excited just to see that as well. Yeah, yeah. I feel I feel as well. Like both athletes, coaches, strength coaches, like everybody that's that's involved. One of the things that this will highlight is also um, like one of the hot topics being recovery right now. You know, swimming swimming is traditionally one of those sports that is a, a high volume. Like you pile it on, like was uh, your last guest was talking about like their Saturday practices four weeks in a row was like over 10 K, you know, like coaches, coaches get these, uh, you know, they, they start to, they start to get a little aggressive with some of their planning and it's like, all right, let's see what we can get done. The, you know, putting in those kind of miles, just even mentally stepping away now from the sport. I mean, what we, we observed with a lot of our swimmers was what the, their dry land performance was like we were trying to put in challenges and tests kind of often and group them into teams and do all kinds of stuff just to keep the competitive bug alive and keep people engaged. But what you started to see in terms of strength, like people were just taken off mm-hmm. yeah. because they've had this rest, you know, it's everything. I think there was an element of excitement as well when this, when this all started it was like, Hey, cool, free vacation. I think all of us thought this was going to be about a month long or, mm-hmm whatever. And it was like, Hey, nobody can argue. I'm not supposed to leave my house. I'm not supposed to do anything. So yeah. Cool. Like it had, it added a, or changed the structure of your day and your sleep patterns and everything like that. And people were a lot more recovered. You know, if you're used to being in the car for 5am on your way to the pool, like suddenly that's like, Oh, dry lens at seven this morning. And I just have to walk downstairs Yeah. yeah. or roll out of bed. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I so think, I, Sorry. You're going to see people, yeah. I, I think you're going to see people go back when, when this is all said and done and people are allowed to get back in the water beyond the initial like sort of reintroduction phase where people are probably going to feel like garbage because your breathing patterns and everything are coming back. Like it's, mm-hmm. you're trying to almost relearn. It's the biggest break you've ever had in your sport. Mm-hmm. But I think the, there will be a lot of value in that time off and you're going to see a lot of time start to drop potentially for a lot of swimmers. Well, yeah, I think a lot of some people may say like, you know, too much rest is like 
is too much. Like, too much rest is bad. But I think, I don't want to say, like, it's a special case, but I just think for swimmers especially, we've had, like, we have so much always on our plate. And I uh, I think I mentioned it. It might be on the pod. It might be on another episode. Or it might have just been in the car with Thomas. And, like, I was saying how how did we do, like, a two-and-a-half-hour practice on Tuesday morning, go right to school, sit in class for six hours, and go back and do another two-hour two practice at night? Like, I don't know how we did that for, do it. for like, a whole week. For, and like, then... for weeks on end for how, how many years we've been doing that. And uh, I think just the mental toll that that takes and now this kind of new like new uh, schedule that we're kind of fitting to and new ways that we're getting into doing our everyday schedule is I think the rest is kind of helpful. And I think we've kind of now adapt. It's like adapting that, you know, six hour day of school into our swimming lives. Now we're kind of adapting this six hour day of rest and like not doing anything into yeah. like doing an online workout uh, versus you know, maybe, or maybe doing like online school and kind of stuff like that. It's just kind of a rearrange of it. And I think it's working out. And I think the most important thing is people are adapting it and not just kind of saying, Oh, this is a break. I'm worried about when I get back in the, and I have to do this schedule because I think our schedules are going to stay like this for a long time and, you know, better to make the plan now and then be ready for when you have to go back and things are still kind of the same and you're prepared for it. That's right. I mean, no matter what, happens it things are going to be different things are going to take a while to go back to you know normal whatever that's going to look like um but yeah there is like you did touch on it though there isn't danger in having too much rest and deviating too much from what your normal schedule mm -hmm. is like i mean i can speak just from you know five days a week being at the facility at 6 a.m and i you know i haven't had to be anywhere at 6 a.m for the better part of a year for the yeah. You know, give or mm -hmm. take. So I know now I've got, you know, a few people that need virtual sessions like early in the morning and I like, you know, you feel it. You wake up like an hour yeah. or two earlier and you're like, Whoa, how did I do this? Yeah. And that will be that will be a tough thing. But I mean everybody's everybody's learned that they can be adaptable now and you know, you get back you'll get back into it. It'll take some time, but everybody will get back into what they have to do. And I think that's a big part of it. It's what you have to do. Yeah, and what you have to do is all like a motivator in itself, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I agree. Um, kind of last thing here, Justin. Uh, what's something that swimmers can be doing right now during this lockdown to maintain their fitness and even their kind of mental state? Like from your point of view. Yeah, from your point of yeah. view as a strength I, coach. I think just to almost like piggyback what we were just talking about with schedules and routines. Having a routine is probably the most powerful thing. Uh, you can have in there. It's not even necessarily what you're what you're doing for dry land. Um, it's sort of having that set time and that set rhythm of like, okay, this is this is my time. Whether it's I'm going out for a run or, you know, going to be doing some some stuff. Whether it's like with tubing or bands or whatnot. Like I think most clubs now have sort of wrapped their head around and put some things in place to make sure that, you know, swimmers have a program to do. Um, but in my opinion, the the most valuable thing is is making sure that you've got a routine going. Um, outside of that, though, to like answer your question a little more specifically, trying to keep uh, things like the cardiovascular fitness, it will be the you know that's probably the like slowest to deteriorate, um, but it'll be the you'll notice it the quickest. So trying to keep in touch with that, um, one or two days where it's you know sort of a longer slower type of type of cardio and another day where it's a little more like high intensity and interval based um, is the biggest thing. And there's lots of different ways to mix that up. Like yeah. there's a lot of, you, you start getting into some stuff that, you know, we, we commonly do with hockey players where it's, you know, on a football field, it's, you know, run this, you know, sprint the sideline, um, something like 10 push ups, 10 sit ups, 10 jump squats, and then walk across the goal line and, and repeat yeah. mm -hmm. for like over the course of, you know, 10, 15, 20 repeats, something like that. Yeah. Obviously not keeping the same exercise in there, mm -hmm. but um, things like that. I mean, but again, it's just, it's having the routine, the schedule and making sure you're consistent. Like consistency and showing up is, is probably the, the biggest thing that's missing in most people's fitness programs. They, you focus so much on the exercise or that, that workout and forget that 
It's really about showing up in small doses strung together. That's training. Yeah. Right. So it's just the, the bigger picture. Yeah. Like keeping that, keeping that uh, consistent schedule will go a long way. Mm-hmm. Even like if you're that. doing little, little bits of stuff. That's yeah. That's really, really important. Like even just keeping that routine consistent, right? Well, you guys yeah. heard some mornings it. that might just might just be a it might just be get up and stretch. Which yeah, sounds like Colin might need to do a lot of. Yeah, come well, on, Colin. Yeah, well, hey, it's good. It's already part of my schedule. You and me both, man. Don't worry. <laughs> well, yeah, listeners, you guys heard it from the strength and strength and conditioning the, the coach. <laughs> uh, make a schedule. Keep yourself organized. Yeah. It'll get you through COVID, or at least what we think is almost going to be over. But you yeah. never know. Hey. Nope. Hey, you know what? Like, with, with that being said, you know, like, you're part of a team. Like, you know, reach out reach out to your friends. Reach out to your coaches. Um, people like me, if you have strength conditioning coach on your staff, like, there is where, you know, the cliche saying we're all in this together, but you do have people around you, and we are all in this together. And there's people there that, that – are good at helping and are happy to help. So, you know, use, you mentioned resources, use the resources around you. That's, that's what we learn to do. And we learn how to access the right resources when, when we need to. Yeah, for sure. Well, Justin, thank you so much for sitting down with us today. Thank you. Thank you guys. This has been a, been a pleasure. We, uh, I know we've been waiting for this for a while and, uh, I think I know we learned a lot. Yeah, uh, I, I actually sure. really did. Today. And I think, and I'm I think glad the listeners, I think the listeners will learn a lot about, you know, just kind of the stuff that goes on behind the scenes. Mm-hmm. And if you want to keep learning, people follow Justin on Instagram at Highland SCC because uh, we've been following you and you post some really really helpful stuff on there. So yeah, cool, everyone thanks, listening, thanks go uh, go hit him up. Thanks for the feedback, guys. Yeah, and uh, yeah, again, if you guys you know check them out and uh don't be afraid to like send them a text be like hey and if you need help with them or need help with anything need a tip yeah. about you know your conditioning he knows he's got the uh he's got the knowledge oh yeah um, i'm also if he, if anybody listening's uh noticed i like to talk shop so i mean if you got <laughs> questions and stuff you know don't be afraid to drop me a drop me a message on on instagram or uh yeah that's pretty well the, the only platform web website still still sort of in the works but definitely through instagram you just like don't be afraid to drop me a line if you got questions uh, more than happy to answer all awesome. right thanks justin uh we appreciate it we'll yeah keep in touch we'll definitely keep in touch and uh yeah thanks again yeah. you can stay on if you want to we can chat after hey right, perfect no thank you guys uh thank you guys a ton i hope you stay safe and do well thanks you too all right, all right everyone that was justin um that was very fun. We liked that. Yeah, you know, I think uh, we always talk about what goes on behind the scenes, mm-hmm. behind our sport. And uh, like I said, Reddit, or kind of at the beginning, you know, we've always had this debate because uh, we live in a hockey town um, of, you know, so, uh, or this debate, I guess it exists everywhere. Like, which sport is harder? Hockey, yeah. swimming. And I think, you know. Or even other sports too. Well, no, yeah. Yeah, time. exactly. But um, like, I think we really got the insight of behind the scenes and every sport has their own thing Mm -hmm. kind of yeah good perspective Mm -hmm. all right um so we'd like to thank again our presenting sponsor swim nerd canada upgrade your club's practice with the best digital pace clock in all of swimming visit swimnerdcanada.com for more and help nerd the north that's swimnerdcanada.com uh yeah so that's it thank you everybody and uh we'll see see you you guys next week